Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, I do not know how to explain it. I, I cannot tell how it is, but I believe that angels have a great deal to do with the business of this world. Now, I can't help but agree with Spurgeon's assessment, and the Bible verifies this view. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He, that is Christ, appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels. It's that line that I'd like to focus our attention in on this morning was seen by angels. And pose the question, what exactly did the angels see when it came to Christ? What is their perspective? What is their viewpoint? And so this morning, I invite you to stretch your imagination. And in the light of Scripture, consider the advent of Christ through the eyes of God's celestial messenger, Gabriel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that not one word that comes forth from your mouth will ever return void. There is not one promise you have made that will not be fulfilled. We thank you that each of your utterance will come to pass exactly in the time you intend it to. Fill us with that belief and that faith in the certainty of your word this morning. Speak through these words of mine, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the import, most important message you have ever delivered. A thrill of pure excitement shot through Gabriel's body as the king's words and their deep meaning reverberated through his mind. The sound of them was like the thunderous roar of rushing waters, flowing over him and under him, and through him, penetrating his being with divine purpose, infusing him with a deep joy at being so honored to serve the Almighty once more. For it was for this very reason that he had been created, to do his master's bidding without question and without hesitation. And even though he had served in the Shekinah glory of the divine presence his entire existence, Gabriel bowed deeper still his face to the ground. The fiery stones sizzled and sparkled around him. The four guardian cherubs surrounding the throne looked on, and the majestic seraphim hovered effortlessly above the throne of light. With two of their wings covering their faces, two of their wings covering their feet, and with two of their wings flying. Their voices following the Almighty's word with a benediction of praise. Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. At this, heaven itself shook and reverberated, and the already immeasurably brilliant light that emanated from the center of the throne seemed to pause, impossibly shine brighter still, in pulse with each word. And even as the audible words faded, Gabriel could still feel the word as though it were alive within him. The Almighty's voice continued, Gabriel, you have been a good and faithful servant. Every message entrusted to you has been delivered. 
and every battle you have fought against the adversary, no matter how fierce, your courage has not faltered. In all matters, whether great or small, you have proven faithful. At hearing his master's praise, Gabriel thought his heart might burst. Now listen carefully. The fullness of time is at hand. The plan for our redemption of man is now ready to be revealed. From the greatest to the least, it will be made known throughout the world. My word, spoken from before the foundation of the earth, spoken in the garden, and spoken through the prophets, my word shall now be fulfilled. The king paused, and Gabriel could hardly contain his astonishment. The plan? The plan? The one that he and all the heavenly hosts had wondered about since the fall of man in the garden. Oh, how they had longed to look into it. The plan for the redemption of the children of Adam? Could it truly be that at long last it was to be revealed? A hush fell over the angelic choirs as every celestial being, great and small, leaned in, listening with eager anticipation. It seemed to Gabriel as though the very cosmos itself had paused to listen to what its creator would now reveal. Then his words rang out with such finality. It was as though his words had already come to pass. The separation of sin between my children and I, their father, shall now be removed. For though they cannot reach up to me, I can go down to them. The word shall become flesh and make his dwelling among them. He will be called Emmanuel, God with us, for he is the perfect representation of my being. Yes, he, the spotless Lamb of God, slain from before the foundation of the world, he shall be my gift of love to them. His sacrifice shall make atonement once for all. To reject him is to reject me. But to receive him is to receive me, for he is my only begotten, my son, Jesus. And at this pronouncement, Gabriel looked up, and there, stepping forth from the right hand of the Father, the radiant form of the one who made his heart sing together with the stars, the birds, and indeed all of creation. Just to look upon his beautiful face was enough to content him for eternity without end. At his appearance, the seraphim again cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And the crescendo of worship that followed was of such a grand scale that Gabriel could not remember one like it since the days of creation. Heaven reverberated with the praises of the angels. And at long last, the king spoke again to Gabriel. Now stand up and listen. Here is the first message you must deliver. The large double doors of the great temple in Jerusalem swung open. And there for a brief moment stood a man in the threshold his figure a dark silhouette against the outer light flooding in around him. His attire was that of a priest, with all of its ceremonial vestiges. Long white robes clad his body. A priest's headdress sat upon his head, while the long silver beard on his face and the slight hunch of his shoulders 
revealed him as a man well advanced in years. In his hands he held a bowl of burning incense, the instrument of one of the most sacred and solemn duties that he as a priest could ever perform, and that but only once in a lifetime. To be chosen by lots to enter the holy place of the temple, and there to light the fire upon the golden altar of incense, and make prayers of intercession on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. The sweet-smelling smoke from the incense, intertwining with his prayers as a visible manifestation of the nation's prayers on their pathway to heaven, God's throne, and his listening ear. He looks excited, as he should be, Gabriel thought to himself, but he has no idea how exciting things are about to become. And with that, he descended through the roof of the temple, and in the blink of an eye, assumed his position at the right hand of the altar, the rightful place for the messenger of the Almighty. As he waited for the old priest to ascend the stairs, Gabriel wondered, How many times have I done this before? How many times have I frightened these fragile, finite creatures half to death? Instantly, multiple millennia's worth of encounters with mankind flashed through his mind. Hmm, poor Daniel. Ah, Daniel, he'd been so frightened at the mere sight of me that he'd passed out and gone into his stupor. Perhaps there was some way that he could soften his presence with this one. Maybe he could disguise his appearance to that of a normal man, such as he had done with Gideon. But then again, Gideon, that hadn't worked out so well. That Gideon had needed so much convincing, believing that God's message had somehow been delivered to the wrong address. Gabriel had the wrong man, he was sure of it. Ha! Gabriel scoffed at the insinuation, as if the personal angelic messenger of the Almighty God were a common courier who would make the mistake of sending the message to the wrong man. Ha! Humans. But no, perhaps this time... No special tactic was required. After all, Zechariah was a priest of God, a man of lifelong devotion and faithful service. Certainly, he would require no special convincing of the truth of God's message. Gabriel made up his mind. Yes, I will be as gentle as possible with this one. After all, the king sent me personally to deliver a message of great joy, not to give the old man a heart attack. And just then, Zechariah, entering through the threshold of the temple, took a deep breath, steadied himself, slowly exhaled, and then with deliberate steps began to ascend the polished marble steps rising from the court of priests up into the holy place, a place he had never before set foot. The distant murmurings of the people gathered in the outer courtyards where they worshipped and prayed in silence. The door swung shut behind him, and the old priest stopped again in silent reverence on the threshold of the holy place. He was now entirely alone, just him and God. Or was he? Gabriel instinctively knew that the moment was right. And with masterful control, he began to adjust his presence, transitioning himself from the spiritual realm into the physical, allowing Zechariah to become aware of his presence, hopefully without overwhelming him by his glowing splendor. 
Gabriel recognized the exact moment that Zechariah became aware of him. His eyes went wide and a gasp shot out of his mouth. He staggered back a step and the bowl of incense fell from his hands, clattering to the floor. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. The calm assurance in his voice was at maximum effect as Gabriel spoke the words he had repeated so often. At hearing them, Zechariah's expression began to turn from terror to astonishment. Gabriel continued delivering the precise words that the king had spoken to him from the glowing throne. Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. As Gabriel's voice reverberated through the temple, he had watched closely as Zechariah's expression gradually changed from astonishment to one that he had sadly seen so many times before. Not joyful excitement at the good news he was going to have a son, but instead one of disbelief. One of those as though he had woken up from a dream and couldn't believe what he had just dreamt. In fact, it reminded him of someone he had seen once before. But who? Was it that look that Lot's wife had given him when he had told them that it was time to flee Sodom? Or was it the look of Gideon, the one he'd given him when he'd called him a mighty warrior? No, that wasn't it. Now he remembered. It was Sarah. Yes, the scene flashed back in his memory. Sheep, tents, Abraham. The message of the Lord was given to them that day that they would bear a son in their old age. And there had been Sarah listening, listening in at the, de- at the tent flap. And there had been the look and the laugh of disbelief. Oh, to be sure, Sarah, as an old woman, had good reason to laugh. Even in her prime childbearing years, her womb had never once been able to bear a child. Rationally thinking, what chance did she have now at 90 years of age of conceiving? But didn't she know whose word she had heard? Didn't she know that rational thinking poses no barrier to the creator of the universe? Didn't she know that he had spoken the cosmos into being by his word? Didn't she know the one who basks in the endless and thunderous and majestic praise of the heavenly hosts, his word is as good as done the moment it is spoken. Yes, she should have known better than to doubt the king. And if it had been up to Gabriel, in that moment she would have been punished for her disbelief. But oh, oh, his master, always so merciful, so patient and so kind, so ready to forgive the disbelief of his finite and fickle children. His rebuke to Sarah had been oh so gentle. He had simply asked, is anything too hard for the Lord? 
And now here he was, all these years later, history repeating itself. The look of disbelief in Zechariah's eyes was the same as Sarah's. But certainly, one of God's own priests could overcome his doubt, his skepticism, and believe God's word. And Zechariah's voice came out in a low stammer. But how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Gabriel couldn't believe it. He felt the righteous anger boil up within him over Zechariah's unbelief, and the words shot forth from him like a dagger. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this comes to pass. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Zechariah was now face down on the floor. His face changed from one of disbelief to remorse. Tears streamed down from his eyes. But as he opened his mouth to now declare his belief in the Lord's word, not a sound came forth. And in that instant, Gabriel transitioned himself back into the spiritual realm, leaving Zechariah gaping into thin air. Gabriel remained a moment longer, observing Zechariah. He wondered, why did these people find it so hard to believe? Even the faithful among God's children doubted his words so easily always needing more signs, more convincing, and still more reminders. Did they not have the written word of the Lord spoken through the prophet Ezekiel, where he had said, I, the Lord, will speak what I will, and it shall be fulfilled without delay. For in your days, you rebellious people, I will fulfill whatever I say, declares the Sovereign Lord." Oh, if only these people, if only they knew the Almighty the way he did. Oh, if only they could see the things that he had seen, then certainly they would stop being so doubtful and just believe. Wouldn't they? And with that, Gabriel was gone, leaving Zechariah alone to his thoughts and silence. She looked so innocent, so young. Gabriel thought as he descended through the air into a position inside her home. Could she truly be the mother to my God? He remained invisible for a moment longer as he watched her intently, taking note of her humble abode, certainly never to be mistaken with a palace or even a respectable home. It was instead a simple and small wood structure on the front with the back carved into the rock of the Nazareth hillside. Certainly, no royalty or wealth to be found here. A strange choice for the prince of glory. But though Gabriel often wondered at the strange choices that his master would make in those who would serve his purposes, he knew that the Almighty never made a mistake. He looked closer as she worked. There was a certain gentleness in her movements, an earnest expression on her face a sweet one, one that exuded grace and faith. Then he heard her humming the song of blessing. 
And as she glanced in his direction, it was almost as though she'd already sensed his presence. He thought to himself, if only humans knew how thin the veil is between the spiritual and the physical. Gabriel mused, they would look for us more often, for we are never far from God's children. But still Gabriel wondered, will she be terrified into fainting? Will this sweet girl doubt God's word like so many before her have done? Or will she have the pure heart of faith, not doubt, but believe the word of her creator? It was time to find out. He had a job to do, a message to deliver. The light of his presence began to fill the room. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Startled, she covered her face at the light and shrank back. Yet she did not faint. She did not fall or scream. And in this, Gabriel sensed a quiet courage that even Zechariah had lacked. Yes, the master had chosen well. But still, just to be certain, he would speak the familiar refrain in his most soothing voice possible. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. At this, he could see her eyes turn from fear to wonder that he had spoken her name. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. As Gabriel finished, he watched her, and he could see the confusion swirling in her mind. Would she believe and receive the word of her creator, or would she too doubt like Sarah and Zechariah? Finally, Mary spoke. How will this be? Since I am a virgin. Though the words seemed doubtful, Gabriel recognized her tone not as one of disbelief, but only of humble confusion at how conception could take place for a virgin. He replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. As Gabriel finished, Mary looked at him in absolute wonder. Then she bowed her head as though in silent prayer. The moment of truth had arrived. How would she respond to the full revelation of God's eternal plan to send his only begotten son into the world through her womb? And then to Gabriel's pleasant surprise, as she lifted her face, there was a smile of peace on her lips, a glow in her eyes, and the sweet melody of humble belief in her voice. I am the Lord's servant. May it be with me just as you have said. And even as she spoke the words, Gabriel could see the glow of the Holy Spirit enter her womb. And he flew away marveling and praising his master. Yes, all God's words are true. What he speaks shall come to pass. 
O church, beloved bride of Christ and children of God, if only for one second you could see the things that Gabriel has seen, if only you could see the one whom he serves in the very presence of, you would never again doubt his word or your purpose. Yet in his sovereign plan, God the Father desires that you and I believe before we see. So as his messenger, I ask, will you doubt God's word like Zechariah? Will you doubt that he can do the impossible like Sarah? Or will you, like Mary, believe his word and in humble faith receive the gift of his son? For trust me when I say, one day soon you will see the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. The Lord has spoken it. It shall come to pass. Do we believe this? Are we walking in this? Today and tomorrow and the day that we will see him face to face. The God who Gabriel serves in the presence of. He is our God. And one day we will stand before his radiant throne. Not dressed in our own righteousness. But in the righteousness of the gift of his son. His righteousness shall be ours, and we will walk boldly to his throne as his children. Let us pray. Father in heaven, the Almighty One, creator of the universe and all that is within it, we bless your holy name. We praise and worship you and you alone. For you have done great and mighty things for your people and for your children. You have gone to such great lengths to bring us back to yourselves, to remove the sin that separates us from you, to make it possible that we could come into your glorious and radiant presence without fear and with great joy. And so, Lord, today we simply agree with Mary We are your servants. May you do with us exactly what you will. Give us believing hearts this Christmas time. Help us to believe your word that what you have spoken shall come to pass. Amen.